let me start today kind of this part two of our gratitude series with maybe a question. Obviously, we've come through this week of Thanksgiving, and so let me ask you, if any of you had the thought especially on Thanksgiving Day or maybe uh, over these last couple of days that you've been together with your family, that you know that you can pick your friends, but unfortunately, you can't pick your family. Anybody have that thought, right, over these last couple of days? You've probably been gathered with a lot of people and maybe you've scratched your head. How many have seen Uncle Randy do the same quarter behind the ear magic trick for the last 40 years, right? And you're thinking, oh my gosh, right? Aunt May brings her famous pie, which everybody has to rave over, but we all think is terrible, right? But we all have to kind of go through the motions all over again, or maybe the conversation at some point during the meal turned political and everybody went crazy, right? Oh man, it's so good to know that we can pick our friends, but unfortunately, when we all get together, we realize that sometimes it's a challenge to hang out with our family today. Isn't Thanksgiving great, right? Well, sometimes, uh, and sometimes maybe not so much. You know, for Debbie and I, it's been a great couple of days. In fact, we really had a double Thanksgiving um, this year because ours started a week ago. Last Sunday, we had um, our final life group gathering together, and uh, we did one of those Friendsgivings uh, with everybody. And so we did a Thanksgiving theme evening, and, and we had a turkey, and everybody brought things. And to be able to have everybody over to our house and to be able to share an evening together and a meal together, listen, beyond uh, saying it was awesome, it was like way and above all of that. In fact, a lot a lot of you know that when uh, we have our life groups uh, that Debbie and I usually put kind of a word out or an edict. It's like, hey, we'd love to have you come over to our house. You can stay as long as you want, as long as you're out by 11 p.m., right? And I know that you've heard over the years that we have a couple of families that disobey that edict every week, right? They are, we are closing the place down at midnight, at 1 o'clock, and, and it's just kind of, and listen, it's all good, right? We kind of we joke about that, but it's good, the opportunity that we have to hang out with our church family. In fact, this past Sunday, Alex, one of the guys here, he was just kind of hanging out in the background as some of the, our, our last straggling families were packing up their kids and pretty much close to midnight, um, and they were getting coats on and getting them out the door, and I still saw Alex kind of hanging around the back, and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, dude, I want the bragging rights of being the last one to leave life group this time, right? So I thought that was pretty cool, and, and kind of as Alex left that night, I kind of thought about the blessing of the real-life family, uh, how much it's meant to Debbie and I, and, and really in the sense of of the life group that just kind of expanded that out in such an amazing way. A couple of months ago, we told Alex's story. In fact, he's helping us with the live stream today that maybe just a year and a half ago, um, Alex didn't know Jesus. And, and uh, he came into my office. He had visited a few times, but he came in and, and wanting to talk. And you heard Alex tell his story. Just to realize that a year and a half ago, here was a young guy that, that really didn't have a real relationship with Jesus. And, and by being connected and hearing 
the gospel story and, and recognizing the truth and the power of, of God's word and, and the connection this, with this family, that now it's kind of this anticipation of being the last one to leave life group because God is not only so good, but this church family has been so good to me and that, that we can interact and that we can share our lives together. Janet was at life group this session. Janet has maybe been at, at real life almost from day one, but had never been to life group. And so she said, I kind of got out of my comfort zone and, and, and I jumped in and man, what a blessing it was to have Janet in our group this semester and just to know of God's goodness and her to meet some people and really connect on much more than just a, a Sunday morning kind of deal, but to realize that we get to really dig in and to be able to share our life together. This past week, it was hard to get Chuck and Julie out of our house, not because they just didn't love to hang out with us, but Chuck ended up on the couch and Mika, our 75-pound our boxer, jumped up on Chuck and, I mean, did the full layout on Chuck. And, I mean, that was it. And I'm not saying that, uh, that Chuck didn't mind it either. Like, he was kind of having the old ear rub going on and, and Mika was just kind of in heaven. And so we knew that Chuck and Julie weren't going anywhere for a long time um, as long as Mika was feeling good. It was great to have Paul and Colleen with us, and they've been relatively new to real life. I think back in May, um, they were either in or out of church or had not been to church for a while, and what they had been experiencing was just this, this desire that, that they needed more. There, there had to be more, and, and uh, Paul's kind of a, a premier uh, uh, official for high school sports here in the area, and they, I think, made the list, and I can't remember if they said they had made a list of, of three churches or five churches that they were going to visit, and they knew they needed to get back into church, and on day one, they walked in the front door, and actually, Chuck, who is another uh, high school official, happened to be working at our new table out there, and they walked in and like, I didn't know you went here, I didn't know you, and they made a connection, and uh, while they were in life group, they said, listen, we had three or five churches labeled that we go... We came to real life on week one, and we decided that was it. Like, this is our church, and uh, it was so great to have Paul and Colleen in life group and just to be able to connect with them, and, and the blessing I know that, that they are looking to be and wanting to be in what God is doing. Listen, I am so glad that we are a part of a family that has a story to tell. Can you say amen with me today? Listen, you are more than just someone kind of sitting in a pew that, that we are looking, actively looking for this opportunity for you to be a part of this family and for not only your life to change, but, but what you have to offer to keep helping to change real life into a place that has a desire to always put God first and always be going after connection and relationship and, and wanting to know that we are a family. That's been one of our, our bylines for you know, really almost from day one, and we never want to forget that desire of, of being connected and an opportunity for you to be able to grow and for it to get better and better. Listen, Debbie and I, we are so grateful. This is our gratitude series, and I want you to know how grateful we are for you and that, that you allow us to be able to do what God has called us to do and to be able to involve our lives, to shepherd in a sense, this collection of people that we know that God has great and mighty things, as he has done in the past, that we know that God has great and mighty things to continue to do in our life. You are a blessed people today. Come on, say amen with me today, right? And so listen, I know you can't pick your family, but today you are a part of the family of God today here at Real Life, and we love you, and we are glad that you are here today. 
You know, I think sometimes as Americans, we can often equate blessings with independence. I mean, we get to a place where the desire is, is that we get to a place where we have the need of nothing. And it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because God has blessed us in this nation to be able to accomplish a lot of big things. People that have had poverty stories, that have worked hard and have made it big in America. Unlike many places in the world that there have been opportunities. And so there is kind of early with inside of us this desire to kind of climb the ladder, to be self-sufficient, to be independent. In fact, we sometimes define a blessed person as one who has everything that they need. Right, that we realize, man, I am so blessed, and we might think I'm blessed financially, or I'm blessed in my job, or with my family, or I'm blessed because of this, because I realize that I am self-sufficient, that I don't need any more or anything in this line, because I've been so blessed. In fact, a lot of research says that as Americans as a whole, that more than 90% of us would believe that we are self-reliant, that we are self-sufficient, that, that if, if it came down to it, that we could make it on our own. And so there becomes this dichotomy, not only to us as Americans, but really how we have been created as humans from God. Because we recognize in this season of gratitude and thanksgiving that, that we are not to be self-reliant as the core principle of our life, but really just the opposite. In this, in this desire or this hunger to be self-sufficient, for a lot of people it's kind of maybe because of a, a goal or, or a time frame. I, I've had some friends, you know, growing up that they wanted to be independently wealthy by the time that they were 30. They wanted to be a millionaire by age 30, and so that there were goals or there, were, there was a time frame that, that they were operating on every day, and they were bypassing a lot of other good relationships or family things because they had this goal to be self-sufficient or self-reliant. Or maybe sometimes people desire to be self-reliant because they don't want to be disappointed by people, that, that they recognize the risk that is involved at times with relationship, or by giving something up, it might detract or it might pull away from, from some of the walls. Maybe we've been hurt, or maybe we've had some difficulty in life, and so we've been afraid to really kind of open ourselves up. We've keep, kept ourselves walled in, and, and we kind of cloak that in the sense that, but I'm just self-sufficient. I'm self-reliant. In fact, I don't need anybody. But what we're going to learn from Scripture today is that God put a need inside of every one of us. You see, for some of us that are a little bit older, we might look back to a time where everyone would sit on their front porch in the evening after work, and there would be people walking up and down the sidewalk, and they would stop and kind of wave, and they would talk for a few moments, and we would engage, and we would share in each other's lives. And this would happen day after day, that people were looking when they were done with work, that they wanted to connect with their neighbors, with their family, with their friends. And so that was a big part of, of our life and, and experiencing life, that we got to do it together. But somewhere along the line, somebody created air conditioning and somebody created uh, automatic garage door openers, right? And now it was a matter, man, when work is done, we hit that button, we pull our car in, we slam it shut, we walk into that cool air, and we're like, that's it, I'm done for the day. 
And we've lost that sense of community. We've lost the sense of neighborhood and, and connection. In fact, now when somebody comes to our door or comes to our front porch, right, now it's a matter of like, oh my gosh, like who's out there now, right? Or we tell our kids, shut the lights off. Let's go in the other room and hide behind the chairs. Everybody be quiet, right? We've, we, we're no longer so open to be able to connect. I don't know if any of you have lived near the church last night, but at 1 o'clock in the morning, the power went out. In fact, the power went out here at the church till about 5 o'clock this morning. So we were kind of on edge if we were even going to be able to be in the building this morning, but obviously everything worked out. But we have a kind of a remote doorbell switch. Um, there's a button outside, but just kind of the doorbell deal plugs into an outlet. And so when they hit the button, that's how our doorbell goes off. And and. I kind of forgot, but at about 1.08 this morning, when the power goes out, our doorbell wants to reset itself, right? Well, I didn't know in the moment I was sleeping that the power went out, but our doorbell went off at 1.08 this morning. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Who's at my house at 1 o'clock in the morning, right? I'm, and, right, you know, I'm kind of panicked. I'm, I'm waking up to the doorbell going off. I'm thinking, like, what is this going to involve? And, again, like, my first thought was kind of much more negative, right? Like, what is this going to get into? Like, like, who is doing this to me? And I'm kind of looking out the window. Like, my dog is kind of stirring. Like, what's happening? What's going on? And it wasn't until I realized that the power was out that I realized that my doorbell was just kind of resetting itself. And I was like, oh, like, thank God I didn't have to meet anybody at 1 o'clock in the morning, right? Sometimes those are weird and awkward times. But we realize it kind of sets the tone for us that, that as much as we want to be grateful and have hearts of gratitude, that we find ourselves more kind of curling in than necessarily reaching out. That we recognize that there are there are preferences to our time and the effort that we want to put out. And sometimes those interruptions kind of really mess up, you know, everything that, that we feel. And sometimes God even invokes within us some divine interruptions, really to challenge the need that is inside of us and that he wants us to really live with. Is it really about serving our purpose or serving his purpose? I think we can have almost a, a bipolar experience in going through this life feeling that we are outwardly blessed and yet inwardly wanting to feel independent, not wanting to need people to be more self-sufficient. And so here's what I want you to know this morning, just a couple of truths today, is that God placed inside every one of us that we are blessed with a need might not always feel that way, or that might be a challenge to us today. You see, the need is that we need him, and we need each other. Please, somebody say yes, amen. That God has blessed us in the midst of our frustration, in the midst of our interruptions, in the midst of things when, when uh, we want him to go a certain way, and, and obviously the tables turn, when the doorbell goes off at any time, let alone at one in the morning, that there is a moment and an opportunity you to realize that there could be a blessing, that there could be a need to fill. From the very first person who was ever created and every person down the line who has ever lived from that, God has blessed all humanity with a need. He has blessed us with the need of not only needing him, but of needing each other. 
That's why the real life family is so important to Debbie and I. That's why, again, we open up our home, why we want to share life together, because I recognize there is a need that God put within us to fill. And I know that that might be a struggle for some of you. You're maybe not there like Debbie and I, but again, you have got to have an understanding today that God did put a need inside of you, and that was a need for you to be needed and for you to expound a need to others that are around us. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible says this, that Paul proclaimed this to the church, that you are now no longer strangers to God, that when we come in to God's family by, by having Christ come into our life, by being a, a Christ follower, that God now has enabled a gathering of people, a collection of God followers known as the church, that you are no longer a stranger or a foreigner to heaven, but you are a member of God's very own family. Somebody say amen to that. And God wants you to know that when you come to him, that you become a son and daughter of his, that not only is that something to be lived independently, but that you come to be a part of the family of God, that you are a citizen of God's country and you belong in God's household with every other believer. So I know sometimes we kind of would rank ourselves, but the Bible says in heaven, there's no rank, there's no believer in God's eyes any better than any other. And so whether you come with all kinds of accolades, all kinds of backstory, all kinds of heritage, God says, listen, you're all equal to me. You're all blessed to be a part of this wonderful family of God. And I am so glad that you are here. And not only am I glad that you've recognized your need of me, but I want you to understand it's that same power and presence of need that I want you to share with those who are a part of my family as well. Verse 21 says that we who believe, again, Christ followers, we who believe, what does the Bible say? We are carefully joined together. You see, God knows the need in every one of us, and not until, maybe like Janet said, not until I take a risk, did I get out of my comfort zone, do I realize that I've got something to contribute. In myself, I don't feel like that. But God said, listen, we are finally joined together. Kind of like expert woodworkers who make these incredible joints, right, that just wonderfully and perfectly fit together that bring strength to whatever they are building. In the same way, God says, listen, I put something inside of you that when joined with others of the household of faith, that you make the house of God strong. And you've got to believe that of yourself. You've got to believe that there is something in me that God has put that contributes to what the house of God needs and that you will be a blessing not only to God in heaven, but to one another around you. We are carefully joined together with Christ as parts of a beautiful, constantly growing gathering or family of God. Somebody say thank the Lord for that today. That God, I have to believe, that I have to step into that role, that not only within this need that God has given to me to be an honor to God, but to be a blessing to those that are around me. And that, first of all, that we think about the house of God. Certainly God, within a heart of mission, is calling us to be a blessing to those that are around us. But initially, we recognize that I have a role to play in being a blessing to those that are here as part of the family of God. Those of us who are believers today, God has created us 
and this need within us to be an active part of his family. Everybody say active parts. Come on. That we are to play an active part in the family. For some of you that are new, that's why we're here as pastors, to help to engage that. But if you've been here for a while, then really, that, and, and, and we have not been active, then we're kind of thwarting a little bit about what God's purpose and plan is for his church and for you. God says to be a part of the family, to, to bless, is that we've got to play an active part in his family. That we have been joined together, depending on one another. So see, here's that kind of American or that, that bipolar thing, right? We kind of grow up to be self-independent, uh, to be self-reliant. And yet, the Bible says is that we have to live a life within the family of God, being dependent on one another. The goal is not independence, but the goal is interdependent that we recognize that you all have gifts, that we have gifts, and collectively joining them together makes the house of God strong. Jesus was asked a pretty familiar question that I'm sure that you've read in Scripture, or you've heard talk about for a long time. We read about it in Matthew chapter 22. There were a lot of kind of leaders, and, and probably at the point it was maybe some words to, to trap Jesus or to trick him or, or just to kind of see like, where, where his theology laid. And they said of all of the commandments, and they were not only referencing the 10 in stone, but the more than 600 that were given to Israel from the teachers and the rabbis and everything else about how they were to live their life. I mean, it was constantly being driven by laws and commands. And one of them came to Jesus and said, of all of these commands, which one should we really follow? What one really rises to the level? What is more important than all the others? And again, I know that most of this will be familiar to you. And so Jesus said, well, the first commandment is that you love God. Yes? And not just love God or how do we love God, but we love God with our whole heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, with all of our minds. In other words, we are to be relationally connected to God with everything that we have. That we come to a place where we realize that I have a need for Christ in my life. That I can't do it on my own. I'm not good enough. I can't make it on my own. That I could never get to heaven on my own. That I am fully dependent on Christ and his work in my life. I am to love God with everything that's in me. And I think that for the most part, we get that. I mean, that makes sense to us. We're people of faith. There's a spiritual component in our life that God is great, God's big. And so we recognize, absolutely, Pastor Jim, we might struggle at times making God the best in all of those areas in our lives. But of all of the commandments, we get that one. But unfortunately, listen, unfortunately, we kind of buzz over the second one. But Jesus set it up this way. Not only is the first commandment that we love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, but this is what he says. But the second is like the first. What does that mean to you? Does it mean the second is pretty important? It means the second is like outrageously important. The second, Jesus said this, is like the first, which means, listen, we all get love God, right? 
heart, mind, soul, strength. Like we get this picture like God gets everything. But how many of us struggle a little bit more to love our neighbor as ourself? But it's like unto the first, hello? The same understanding, the same passion, the same desire is this recognition that God has placed us with this heart of gratitude to empower his church by being an active part of this family, by loving one another. The good ones, the rough ones, the challenging ones, right? Just like crazy Uncle Randy on Thanksgiving, right? How many know we got to love him too, right? All the areas where we struggle relationally, humanly connecting. Again, what I want you to go home with is that God says the second is just like the first. It's with that same heart, that same passion, that desire that we go after making these earthly relationships be honoring to God as well. I think one of the ways that we do that at Real Life is by blessing needy families in our community, certainly during this time. A few weeks ago, we sent hundreds of Thanksgiving baskets down to the mission to help people that were going to have a tough Thanksgiving Over the last couple of weeks, you guys brought in hundreds of Operation Child and those shoeboxes filled with gifts, and they're going to get sent literally all around the world to kids so that they're going to have something for Christmas. Today, the angel tree is up. In fact, um, they just asked me to kind of help share. In fact, some of you were, were taking angels without anybody even being at the tree. In fact, I think most of them were gone before church even this morning, Right? And they're just asking, hey, if you grabbed an angel, check in at the outreach table because they need to know who took those angels so that they can track them, all right? So I don't know how to correct you, yell at you, or thank you like for all of that, right? for being amazing and like ripping them off. But, but there's a process to that too, all right? So thank you for taking them, but if you did it on your own, go tell them you did it, all right? But I looked at our tree just this week. I'm like, is this all the angels that we have? And then somebody told me people were grabbing them while they were putting the angel tree up. People were grabbing angels. Listen, I I don't know that I could say enough to say thank you for reaching out and caring for people that we know that are going to be in need, that, that we are blessed, that we have an active part in blessing others as well. I think another way that we bless this real life family is when we know that there are those that are in need and we actively engage and help in ways to be a blessing to them. For some of you today, I think Nala and his family are, are here with us today um, back at Real Life. And maybe for some of you that you didn't know the story so much, but Nala and his family were a part of Real Life about two and a half years ago. They came all the way from India, from India, India a long way away. And they were part of an Assemblies of God church in India, and work brought them to Erie. And they were a wonderful part of our church family. And about two and a half years ago, that the U.S. government didn't have all that they wanted on their paperwork, and so they were not going to renew their visa. And I think within a matter of about two or three weeks, they came to us on a Sunday, and they said, Pastor Jim, the U.S. isn't renewing our visa. They've asked us to get out of the country. We have to go home in two weeks. I mean, obviously, they were devastated. We were devastated. What, what are we going to do? I know when I first met Nala prior to that, 
And, and we, he's given me permission to use his name in, in Indian. His, his given name is very long and, and not an American name, right? And he introduced himself. There were a lot of letters in that name when he said hi to me for the first time. Now, if you remember. And, and my first inner thought was because his wife was beside him, his two kids. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I don't, I'm not going to know his name and it's just going to get worse from there. I don't know how I'm going to be able to say his wife's name, his kid's name. I'm going to look, you know, this is going to be really embarrassing for me. And, and, and so he said, you can just call me Nala. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. Like, that's, that's one. Like, what am I going to do now? And he said, I'd like you to meet my wife, Helen, and my two sons, Joshua and Caleb. I'm like, God, you are so good. You are so good. And so unfortunately, two and a half years ago, we had to say goodbye, and a group of guys showed up after church, and we kind of moved them, all the items out of their apartment, and we stored them, or we helped to sell them, or we did everything, and, and through those two and a half years that we stayed in touch through email and with a lot of people to think, man, here was a family that, that, that weren't at real life for a long time, and now they're thousands of miles away, but through technology, we stay in touch every couple of weeks. We're emailing or hearing the story. And then a few months ago, Nala texted me and said, Pastor Jim, everything is lining back up for us to come back to Erie. I thought, I mean, and, and more than anything else, I think it was because of, of real life, right? Now, I know the job was pretty important, right? But it was a matter of, I said, are you sure? Like, you know it's November and December. Are you sure you want to come back to Erie now? Right? Maybe delay that until April or May, but they were like, we can't wait. And I know it's tough, obviously, leaving their family back, in, in, but I had a chance to catch up with them last Sunday and to be able to welcome them back to real life. So when you see Nala and Helen and Joshua and Caleb, make sure that you welcome them home. That's, I, I was so, I mean, I, those are words that were from deep inside of me, man. The story, how do you weave all of these stories together? but then to recognize what God did and to say to that family, welcome home to real life. Listen, I didn't say that just because it's a quaint phrase, but because I know that we as God's people are here to love one another. We're here to love God with everything, but the second is like the first, amen? That we're here to love one another as ourselves. Debbie and I had an opportunity, Jack and Matt had reached out to Richard and Rachel for Thanksgiving. They are a family that attend real life. They come from Uganda, another place in which they're far from home. And we had asked about them in staff, has anybody kind of reached out to Richard and Rachel? Are they gonna be good for Thanksgiving? And Jack and Matt said, we got them. Like they're gonna come to our family. They're gonna go downstate with them. But then at the last minute, because of travel, they were uh, not sure and so I told Debbie, I said, well, let's call Richard and Rachel and see. We were small at our, at our family house this year for Thanksgiving. Let's invite them. And so we called them. But, but fortunately for them, they had already had another offer to be able to go somewhere for Thanksgiving. And so there was a single mom in our church that didn't have anywhere to go. And Deb says, we're going to bring them into our family. You see, that's what being connected to God's church is all about. Because the second is like the first. Amen. Listen, it's not always easy. It's not always convenient. We have plans and we have a timeline and we have everything. But listen, we are nothing if we don't have room for the family. 
if we don't have a spot, and if you're new, I want you to know today that there is a spot for you at the table. There is a place for you at the table. That God has joined us fittingly together to do his good work. Let me give you just two kind of phrases, maybe somewhat humorous a little bit, to help put this in perspective this morning. So where do we go from here that we have these hearts of, of gratitude, these hearts of thinking? How do we do better? How do we do more? Well, here's what I want you to know. When you look around, when Bailey and Caitlin talk to you about going to greet people during greeting time, or rather than just kind of rushing out the door after service, but, but having a little bit of kind of foyer time, or just hanging around and getting to meet some people, or, or being open to kind of get yourself out there, you need, you ready? You need a spiritual family with refrigerator rights. I thought I'd get you on that. Listen, wait till you hear the second one. It's even more wild than this one, right? You see, when you think about this real-life family, let's say you come over to my house. We don't know each other very well. Or someone comes to visit, and they come to my house, and, and I don't really know them. Most likely, where are we going to meet? Well, chances are, in my house, we're going to come into the living room, right? That's kind of a, a formal room. That's when we don't know people. We kind of sit in a place that, you know, it, we're just trying to figure it all out. And, and we're having some conversation. We're getting to know each other a little bit more. But let's just say in the middle of our conversation, you or that person that I don't know gets up and walks into the kitchen, opens up my refrigerator like pulls out meat and cheese and the mayonnaise and the mustard and the pickles and looks in the cabinet for some bread and, and starts making a sandwich, right? I mean, how many of you, like if that happened to your house, whoa, 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 what are you doing? I don't know you that well. In fact, if you don't step away from my pickles, something very tragic is going to happen in these next couple of moments, right? Put the pickles down and slowly back away. Like we recognize when we don't have relationship with people, there are kind of legitimate boundaries that we have with people, right? We recognize, listen, you're, you're welcome into certain parts, but there are certain places of my home slash my life that are a little, uh, are a little out of bounds or off limits at this part. See, but that's the joy of like a life group, about not just attending real life on Sunday morning, but Again, whatever it is, taking the risk, getting out of your comfort zone, or contributing to be a part of this family that, that is people, in fact, on our life group nights at our house, that people don't even ring the bell or knock on our door anymore. They just walk in. And we love that. They don't wait for me to come to the door or yell, come on in. When it's Sunday night at 6 o'clock, people just walk in our door. Now, that might freak some of you out, but I want you to know Debbie and I welcome that into our home because we've been blessed with a need and we are so grateful when people accept the opportunity to come not only into our home, but come into our life. For some, it might be a challenge, but listen, it's not the first time, right? It's a biblical truth and example that we follow. In Acts chapter 2, it says that all of the believers met together, if it's up on the screen, what's the next word? Constantly. 
And see, we don't ask you to meet with your church family constantly. But the example that we have in Scripture is, is that when the church had this model of being Christ followers, they met together constantly, and they shared everything with each other. In fact, if someone was in need, people would even often sell off things and that they would bring in the money so that they could bless their church family so they would not be without need. They worshiped together regularly at the temple every day. They met in small groups in their homes for times of communion, and they shared their meals with great joy and thankfulness. And I'm so glad that, that Luke added those words, that they met together in each other's homes, and they did it with thankfulness. Listen, I know I will probably you know, step on some to- toes of some of the ladies and, you know, we recognize again our, our house. And I know that we're sometimes cautious or unaware of just having people in our home or of all of the things. And listen, I get those kind of things. But I want you to recognize that what God has given us in the blessings that he has given us, they are not tools for us to selfishly keep, but they are blessings for you and I to wonderfully bestow, to give. We need spiritual family at Real Life who have refrigerator rights to come into our door, to come into our fridge and listen, for some of you that are part of the Grove Life Group, yes, you do have permission to touch the pickles, all right? If that adds to it. But not only do we have spiritual friends that have refrigerator rights, but we also secondly have kick up your feet friends. It's because I think that we move forward into intimacy. In fact, here's what Romans 15 verse 7 says. Accept one another. Do I have to say any more? I mean, just kind of look around. Remember that the second is just like the first. We love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Oh, yeah. And I have to love my family the very same way. You see, we need relationship where it's kick-up-your-feet kind of friendships. How many know maybe when you were growing up, there were maybe only one of two homes that you could walk into? Two kinds of homes. The kind in which you took your shoes off when you walked in the door. In fact, Joshua, it's a little interesting that you're here today because that would be a story all in itself. There are homes that when you walked in the door, you have to take your shoes off. How many say yes? Yeah. And then there was another kind of house where it didn't matter. It didn't matter. In fact, that's the kind of house that Debbie and I have. People come into our house for life groups or gatherings, and they come in the door, and oftentimes the first question they say is, do we have to take our shoes off? And we say, nope. Our house is your house. See, I know a lot of people say, well, pastor, I pay a lot of money for my carpets, and, you know, I don't want to track mud in, and, and but totally get it, not ripping on you. Like, if that's, I got it, no. But for Debbie and I, I'm like, you know what, I'd love to buy carpet every two or three years because ours is worn and filthy. I mean, hear me out, because we've invited dozens and dozens and, yeah, I didn't clear this with my wife yet. 
Maybe this is one-sided. Maybe this is one-sided this morning. I think she'd agree with me. But if the purpose was for us to get new carpet was because we've had dozens and hundreds of our family come into our home and feel at home with us, that they're not just refrigerator friends, but they're kick-up-your-feet friends. I mean, when you go to somebody's house, and we probably all have somebody like that, hopefully, where when you go into your house, right, you sit back on the couch, you throw your feet up on their coffee table, you might have a sandwich, you might have a drink, maybe we're watching a football game or whatever. Doesn't it feel like in those moments, like we could share anything together? We could share our life, we could share our story, we can share our fears, we can share our concerns, we can feel our, our challenges, we could confess maybe our struggles, our sins, because we're with somebody who cares for me, someone who has welcomed me into their life and given me the right to live in their house just like they live in their house. The second is like the first, where you can just be you. How many think that's a pretty cool place to hang out at? I think of a lot of the people that we have here at Real Life, and there's a lot of stories that we can tell. I think there is probably a premier kick-up-your-feet friend at Real Life. In fact, of all the connections and the relationships that we hear happening in the hallways and in groups and and things that happen kind of under the ministry of real life, there's seemingly always one name that always comes around our leadership table. And when we hear a story, we kind of like, well, I mean, that makes sense. It makes sense it was this person because that's just who they are. Just kind of a premier kick-up-your-feet person that represents real life and we hope what we're trying to be. Heather, would you come up here real quick with me? I would tell by your face that maybe you're somewhat surprised. Huh? Come on over here. I think of all of the people that we have an opportunity that when we hear that something happened or a connection was made or a meal was delivered or a prayer was done or kids were watched or a hospital visit was made, probably one name comes to the list more than any other in real life and it's the name Heather Atella. And and we sit around the table when that name comes up and everybody just kind of shakes their head and they're like, yep, like that's Heather. Like that's, that's the person, I think if there was a real life ambassador, which you might get that recognition, I didn't bring a crown today, but, and so here's what I want you to hear this morning. Heather has been such a wonderful friend to me. She is truly the most caring person I know. She takes care of everyone around her and if she hears about any sort of need she jumps in immediately and offers her help she will pray with you and for you she will check up on you she is the true definition of a friend and a woman of god i have been blessed by her friendship and i am blessed to have her in my life and to be able to serve with her that was from your friend martha and then somebody else writes so heather has been such in capital letters a blessing to me and my family she has the biggest heart and is always willing to help out in whatever way is needed. She is a prayer warrior and has interceded for me and with me so, it was written with a lot of O's, so many times. I know she says, when she says she's praying for me, she is full on praying, no questions asked. She quickly became like family in just a very short amount of time. 
I'm not one that's ever been good asking for accepting of help. And she learned that. And if there is a need, she just shows up at my door and takes over because she knew I would never ask for it. And I'm okay with that. I've needed someone like that in my life, my whole life. She is one of the kindest, most accepting, honest people I have ever met. She is the sweetest soul, and I will be forever thankful for her friendship. That's from your friend Jamie. And then Heather has been a powerful example of what it means to live for the Lord. In prayer and in worship, her authenticity and passion is hard to match, which has helped positively influence my own relationship with God. And Challen wrote that this week. I want you to know when we think about the second is like the first, that I'm glad that not only like Heather, but there are others of you out there that are willing to put others first. I know that you've heard me kind of joke with Heather and with Anthony and their family that oftentimes at Life Group, they are by far the last people to leave our house. That is true. But sometimes what we don't always tell is that sometimes Anthony will be with the girls and, and like, why are you still here, Anthony? And he's like, I can't find Heather. I don't know where Heather's at. And we'll go into the other room and maybe Heather has another lady who's been battling or doing some stuff and Heather's praying with her, ministering to her. And I'm like, man, I am so glad that you guys are at my house. I'm so glad that it's not dependent on Debbie and I doing it all, but that you understand that there is a big family here that needs taken care of and there are ambassadors like her that have an opportunity to show the love of Jesus. Heather, we love you, your family, you in particular on this matter for representing real life and you are blessed and we are blessed because of you. Would you give her a hand today? Amen. We love you. <laughs> you can stay right here because we're going to close. What real life needs are ambassadors in that way to rem be reminded that the second is like the first. That we're not only here with hearts of gratitude for everything that God has done for us. How many are glad for that today? Sure we are. So let's not quickly bypass the second part of that to realize that God has joined us fittingly together. That we are the family of God. I want to finish with just one little quick story from the Bible. There's a story in 2 Samuel chapter 9 where King David now, the second king of Israel, is on the throne and, and has become incredibly powerful and wealthy and in charge of God's blessing over Israel. The first king, Saul, did not end very well. Now David sat on the throne and he began to reflect on all the blessings that God had bestowed upon him to sit on the throne to be the king over all of Israel. And he had this thought early in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Is there not a family member of the house of Saul whom I might bless? Now, some of you, I think, if you can get the perspective, if you would think of old world in those days, that how many know that the now new reigning king would never bestow a blessing on the king that was just deposed? More times than not, he would kill that king and all of their family, right? We kind of know those old history stories. It was brutal times. 
And when David gets seated on the throne, his first thought is, is there not someone of the household of Saul in whom I might bless? Listen, this is a powerful Old Testament truth that comes into the New Testament that we read in Matthew 22. That the second is like the first. That not only am I going to love God, but I'm going to love others as myself. No other king would do this. And he called on one remnant of the house of Saul. And he said, there is a son of Jonathan who was a dear friend of David. His name is Mephibosheth. But he has been lame. He has been crippled his whole life. He probably did something wrong or his parents did something wrong. And God has cursed him to be a cripple. That was the thought of the day. And David said, I want you to go get Mephibosheth, and I want you to bring him into the throne room. And whether someone carried him or he was in some little cart or however to get him before David, he had no idea. But to know that I was part of the old regime, and now I'm coming into the throne room of this massively powerful king, it's not going to go well for me. He's probably devised some horrible death for me to represent him being now this conquering king. And the Bible says that he bowed low in front of David. And David said, Mephibosheth, pick up your head because today I am going to bless you. Everything that was lost that was under the ownership of your father Jonathan and your grandfather Saul I am going to reinstitute and give to you. I'm going to give you their land, their animals, their servants, their wealth, their housing, whatever they had, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to give it to you. And you, listen church, and you will always have a seat at my table. Talk about a life change. From going to having absolutely nothing. In fact, Mephibosheth said when he came to David, how is it that you even consider this dead dog, that's what he said, to come into your presence? You see, that was the image that he had. But David gave us a foreshadow that not only are we blessed by a God, and that we honor him with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. But we love our church family. We love our neighbors. The good ones, the easy ones, and the not so easy ones. We love them in the same way that we love God. And the chapter closes by declaring that and Mephibosheth moved to Jerusalem from wherever he lived he moved into Jerusalem because there was always a seat at the table of the king for him. How many would imagine that his life got a whole lot better really quickly? I want you to know today that when you come to this house of God, there is a seat at the table for you. In fact, the very last sentence of that chapter reminds us that Mephibosheth moved to Jerusalem 
because there was a seat at the king's table for him, although he was still a cripple. It was a reminder. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't deserving, but he got the very best because we are not blessed to keep it to ourselves. We are blessed to give it away. And I hope that a hallmark of real life will continue to be that we are not just people who love God with our heart, mind, soul, strength, but that we are here to love each other in the same very way that we represent and that we share our love with God. I want you to stand with me around the room today. One of the reasons why we sang that extra song this morning is that I want us to be continually reminded that we as a people must always have a heart of gratitude. And especially for those that are relatively new and you're trying to check out, man, what is real life all about? Like, like what's their vibe? Like, who are they? Listen, I want you to hear it from me today. This is who we are. We're here not only to love God, but we're here to love others. I want you to know that you always have a place at the table. That you might come in with a lot of garbage and a lot of junk in your life. We're not going to run from that. We want to run to that. And Thanksgiving reminds us that one day God got a hold of our life. Anybody say amen? God took me and changed me and transformed me. And God forbid that I become self-reliant and that I become self-sufficient and just kind of keep this all to myself. But I have been blessed to be a blessing. And so what I'm going to ask you to do, not only today, but to keep this in your heart, is that today maybe find some people, look for some people to share your life with. Maybe people that you haven't met with today. Listen, let our foyer serve a double purpose today. Not just where you sign up for stuff, but where you share your life with a bit before you leave. Is that all right? Maybe some of you that have been around longer take the initiative to look around and say, man, I've never met you. I, I've seen you. Or maybe, maybe today I'm seeing you for the first time. I'm so-and-so. Bless them. Listen, don't laugh or be shocked like that you would invite somebody out for lunch today. Why? Because that's how we want to live our life at real life. We want you to know that we care about you and that we want to share and we want to do life together. Make sense? You're like, well, Pastor, I don't know that I can do that today. Fine. Then do it next Sunday. Be ready and be prepared. Listen, for some of you, like, oh, man, am I getting refrigerator rights today? Am I getting a chance to, like, kick my feet up? I don't know. Maybe. Hopefully that you'll have an opportunity not just to kind of wave across the aisle way, but you'll get a chance to hang out and do life together, do lunch, make some plans. Maybe it's a matter today of a little extra hug or a handshake or a prayer or blessing. Listen, we, meet, we need more Heather Atellas in this house. We need more ambassadors that can be said of them, listen, I know you're there for me. I'm different because of the investment and the care that you've made in my life. Listen, that's what we love about real life. That's why Debbie and I love you because this is the kind of house that we are building. One that loves God with our whole heart and one that loves each other in the very same way. Amen? Father, bless this house today. Bless us with a heart of gratitude, a heart of thanksgiving, 
Lord, give us a place to know that there is a place at the table that we might be emotionally struggling or broken or lame or crippled. But this house has a place for me to be restored, to be whole, to have purpose, to have my name known. God, give us that love for one another. Let this Thanksgiving not end today, but let it continually go forward. And let me be one who continues to push a heart of thanksgiving forward. God, thank you for your word and your time with this family, that we have a heart and a life of gratitude. We pray this over them. Pray this over those that are watching today, online today. Let us have a heart of thanksgiving, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.